Welcome to the Empath and the Narcissist Podcast, where you regain your sparkle back after narcissistic abuse. I am your host, Raven Scott, a trauma-informed spiritual mentor, certified meditation teacher, and human design expert. I'm empowering empaths three times a week in recovery and healing from narcissistic abuse, childhood trauma through human design, self-care, mindfulness advice, and expert interviews. This is season five, episode 50, what to do when the narcissist triggers your panic attacks with Sylvia Araya. Everything was going well and all of a sudden, like you said in the beginning, walking on eggshells, right? Something, mm-hmm. a little thing would crack. It wasn't a big deal. And then the whole thing shifted and then everything turned dark and you're like, okay, what happened here? Yeah. This is another movie. Are we switching scripts now? <laughs> We don't necessarily have to connect with a person. It can be Mm. also with animals. It can be with nature. And you can also get that same connection feeling and what that brings in our brain, which is just oxytocin. Is this what you really want? It's a simple question, and yet it's so important and profound. It's time to let go of the trauma that's been preventing you from having healthy relationships. I know an insightful book that helps you move forward with practical advice and support. If you suffer from past trauma that's preventing you from having meaningful relationships, it can be hard to break out of your negative patterns. Thankfully, there's a way to move beyond the trauma and build a healthy relationship in which you feel safe and secure. Learn how to go beyond trauma in the relationship you deserve in the book, Is This What I Really Want? How to Go Beyond Trauma into Relationship You Deserve by Sylvia Araya. It's available on Amazon, Kindle, and paperback. Click the link in the show notes and add to your cart today. Our guest today is the author of the book I just shared with you, Sylvia Araya. Sylvia is a clinical trauma professional, numerologist, and author. She studied psychology, trauma-informed yoga, family constellations, Bach flower therapy, and among many more. Her first book, Trust and Live Without Panic, is about her own experience with panic attacks and anxiety and how she developed her way to heal with a combination of techniques with a spiritual touch. She herself has experienced all these panic attacks due to, she'll share with you her story in this episode, her childhood, as well as a relationship with a narcissist. So without further ado, let's dive into the conversation. Hello, Sylvia. So good to see you and have you here on the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Such an honor. Yes. When I was looking at your information, your bio and everything, I was really excited to talk about this because I think this, the biggest trouble with recovering from narcissists is this part of like the panic attacks and not knowing what's happening, especially if you still have to be in contact. Let's say you're sharing, you're trying to co-parent and do custody. It's, yeah, it's just so intense. The anxiety just goes through the roof. So this is Completely. I I learned the concept of complex PTSD because of this situation that happened in my life. (laughs) Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Talk to us about that. You personally have experience with this? Yeah, yeah. So everything I write, everything I do comes from my personal experience. I always tell my clients, I don't tell you or I don't leave any homework or anything that I haven't done myself. And I think life takes that very seriously and then it gives me the opportunities and the experiences for me to go through the situations. <laughs> and so a few years ago, I, I found myself in a relationship in a foreign country with someone who was very, very smart, also a therapist. And, and then things started to get out of control. And then I already had my history with anxiety and panic attacks, but that was healed at that point, or it was better at that point. And all of a sudden, I started to have all these symptoms and different um, sensations and emotions, and I just didn't know what it was until my therapist said to me, I think you're experiencing complex PTSD. And the more I started reading and the more I started to educate myself about it, it I, as a therapist, just had no idea because one thing is to read and one thing is to live it. And then I realized that it's because of the situation, the abusive situation that I was living in, that my anxiety and my panic attacks and depression sometimes, everything that was under the umbrella of PTSD was just getting activated because of this situation that I was living in. And, mm. and the complex part is just the, the living in and reliving it and reliving it. Like you say, it's when you are constantly triggered, constantly in the trauma part, then that, that's when it becomes complex. Okay, yeah, that was going to ask you to clarify for those who maybe are just discovering this concept and we're putting the dots together. Like you're feeling this and this is what this is. This is What's the difference between just normal PTSD and complex PTSD? Yeah, exactly. I had no idea <laughs> in the moment because it was such a new concept too back in, in those years. And I came, well, my therapist shared this book from Ariel Schwartz with me and it's called the CT PTSD workbook. And I started reading about it and I was like, oh, okay, this is what I have. I'm not going crazy. Because for a moment, I thought I was going crazy. <laughs> we all have been there. <laughs> yes, I, I even said to her, maybe I have borderline disorder. I just I had no clue. And then just reading about all the symptoms that I was having, the anxiety, the panic attacks, the depression. And again, just reading what is it when you're just being triggered and re-traumatized on a constant daily basis that it's when it becomes complex PTSD because it's just happening all the time. Maybe you're getting a little bit better and then something happens again and it's like you're always there in that constant state of alert and trauma. Mm. It reminds me of that concept, which we are all familiar, whether we know about gaslighting or trauma bonding or PTSD, we know about walking on eggshells and that's pretty much what it is. That's yeah. That's exactly it. I had no idea what gaslighting was in, in a personal level, in a, in a, you know, like in my body until I went through that experience in my life. And so you're completely right. Gaslighting is it's a situation that happens systematically. And so it just brings trauma after trauma after trauma. Mm. 
So can you run us through some of the symptoms so people can kind of check, do a bit of a checklist to see if they need to consult with a therapist, if they may possibly have CPTSD? It's different for every person, but of course you, you know, we can name some of the most common symptoms that can range from anxiety, crying all the time, depression, sensitivity, hyperarousal all the time being in the state of alert, insomnia, or a lot of sleep. Like I said, it just depends on the person. For some people, they can't sleep. Some people, they just want to sleep. I was the person who just wanted to sleep all the time. I also digestive disorders. People can have some problems with eating too much or all of a sudden they don't want to eat. I lost a lot of weight, for example. And everything in reality just seems distorted in a way. Sometimes I would be thinking, is this, is this real? Is this happening? It's like, like a movie sometimes. So that, you know, this realization coming out of my body kind of thing. So again, it's different for every person, but you can find mostly those symptoms in, in someone or even more like the anxiety symptoms or the panic attack symptoms, which is, you know, feeling dizzy or shaking, feeling like you're going to die, feeling that, that there's danger all the time. I can really relate to all of those, most almost all of those symptoms. There was definitely some digestional issues for me, but I didn't find that my weight actually fluctuated, but I don't know why and how, but I had major issues with my digestion for sure. So now that we understand the, some of the symptoms, we can kind of identify, okay, I need to speak to my therapist about this. We let's maybe understand a bit more of the triggers, like what certain things could trigger somebody into a episode. Again, and you're going to hear me say this a lot. <laughs> Every case <laughs> is different. Every person is different. So mm -hmm. it depends a lot on your traumas and your even your childhood traumas. It, it, it also sets the tone or sets the line for whatever is going to trigger you or affect you or activate you in the future. So for some people, it could be heights. Or for some people, it could be doctors because they had, you know, medical trauma. Or for some people, it could be sexual relations or anything related to sexuality because they were raped when they were children. So it just depends mm. on you know, where your traumas are and what the, you know, yeah. what your personality and the situation is. Mm -hmm. I would have to add to that, too. Mine, I was, my therapist said that I was sexually abused in a consensual relationship, which was even more confusing and complicated for me. And when I would see something on a movie or a TV show that had anything remotely close to non-consensual, which mine was consensual, but at the same time, it was abuse. Like it was dragged on for hours. It was guilt-ridden. It was all this horrible stuff. I just would get that feeling like, like a Gumby feeling. And I would feel like the pit of my stomach and I would start to kind of like, ha that, that's a trigger, right? That I started to feel the, the symptoms of the anxiety attack. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm also glad that you brought up the, the, the sexual, like when you are even in a relationship and it's, and it could be also uncomfortable and maybe we can touch on that in a moment, but 
yeah so yeah in your case was that in my case there was a lot of abandonment and mm. wounds in my childhood and so whenever in my relationships we were getting close to ending or something was not going right like those were triggers for me and mm. I would start getting anxiety also mm. in this particular relationship that I talk about in the book there was some cheating there was you know he was mm. seeing other people and so sometimes just l looking at him picking up the phone and thinking who's he talking to or if mm. he was away for too long and not coming back I thought I he with someone just that would spiral my anxiety over control and so again yeah the triggers can vary from person to person but I think it has to do a lot with those core wounds or those core traumas that we carry sometimes from our, our childhood yeah wow this reminds me of episode 48 that just aired this week I didn't even put two and two together about how the anxious relationship attachment really is speaking to what you felt from your childhood and if you're listening you can listen back to that episode that I aired titled do you as an empath have anxious insecure relationship attachments episode 48 I 100% can relate to anxiety with farewells I, I used to get major anxiety with saying goodbye to someone who I felt like I was saying goodbye too soon and yeah, I would spiral <laughs> into a major abandonment issues. I wanted to ask you, how did you discover that he was cheating? Well, he wasn't that good at covering it. <laughs> so, oh, he, so he's arrogant about it. He wanted, yeah. <laughs> well, as we're talking here about narcissistic personalities, yes. Um, so I think in some ways he wanted to be, he wanted to be caught. And so there were moments where I could hear him um, speaking to someone and I and I knew it was a woman and you just know when you know the the way the person talks like who are they mm. talking to like I know for example with my husband I'm married now <laughs> I know when he's speaking to his mom or when he's speaking to someone at work or you know so I could sense in his tone and also yeah I remember one time we were driving and he had his phone as a GPS and then a, a message popped up <laughs> the screen we were Ooh. both in the car i know yeah <laughs> yes so oh, yeah there were there were a lot of a lot of ways for me to find out it wasn't that hard yeah. yeah now did he gaslight you when you called him out on it or totally how did, how did that go <laughs> yeah yes totally and and again this is it's such a revelation to me now because back in that moment, I just didn't know I, that this was gaslighting. And hmm. I think for most people, this is the case. And I think this, that's why it's so important to talk about this. Because hmm. in those moments, and in particular, the people who use it, they're very smart. They're mm -hmm. very creative. This, this is people, people who are smart, who have tools, who have certain gifts, if you want to say it that way. And... So he would always find a way to turn it, like, to be something about me, to put mm. the blame on me, to, yeah, make it about me. So all of a sudden I was asking, I was feeling bad and I was, like, asking for forgiveness. <laughs> Isn't it insane? Or, it just drives I you know. insane looking back about how, that, how they do that. Yes, yes. Yeah. No, they're... 
again, very smart people, very mm -hmm. creative. They have lots of gifts and charisma. And that's why it's very, very hard to find when you're being gaslit. It's very difficult and it could take a while and it's okay. And I just want to say to everyone or anyone who's listening or who will be listening to this that uh, just listen to your gut, listen to your intuition, because deep down we know something is not right. Even though our minds are processing what the other person is saying, and it makes sense. I remember him using, again, because he's also a therapist, him using a lot of psychological lingo and oh, concepts, yeah. psychology concepts. And so I couldn't argue with that. I, I was like, yeah, maybe you're right, <laughs> you know? Oh, and I would go God. to bed thinking, maybe he is right. Maybe I did, you know, drove him into this parallel relationship, like he's saying, you know, because, yeah, I don't know, you know, a person can say, I'm, I'm not feeling loved anymore here. I'm just feeling rejected. And then my, mm. my childhood wound got activated, and that's why I went to, you know, talk to someone else or sleep with someone else. And then mm. all of a sudden, you're, you're actually feeling bad for them. You're like, oh, my God, yes. That trauma yeah. that he has. And yeah, like, you're, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and especially you as well. You're a therapist. So you, you're just like, okay, yes, let's therapize this. And let's, you know, re remove yeah. the responsibility and fault on the person who did the wrong thing. And let's figure it out. And yes. that's exactly what they want you to do is, be, yeah. be, you know, feel sad for them. And they play the victim. But mm -hmm. you have a choice. You, can, you have a choice to have integrity and have a really difficult conversation, which I think as a therapist, you would think that he would have had that bandwidth, right? Or even just any, any mature adult should be able to have the bandwidth of like, I just need more hugs or I'm feeling really alone in this relationship. Let's have this difficult conversation versus going and just cheating. I mean, that's just really what he wanted to do. He's just, you know, painting a big rainbow over the top of his poop. <laughs> yes yeah. yeah yeah totally and and again I'm not saying that it's all their fault it's all you know the person who uses information this way it's the bad person here I'm not saying that at all I don't believe in that I don't believe in good bad you mm -hmm. know but obviously like you said there is a part of responsibility in our side, in my side, there was responsibility there that I, I decided to stay. I decided to listen to mm. what he had to say. I decided to all of those things, even though part of it is also trauma. Again, you know, part of my trauma and my wounds would prevent, would prevent me sometimes yeah. to take full, my full power and then being able to be completely conscious about my decisions. But I did yeah. make those decisions either way, unconsciously or consciously. Yes. And what was just spoken recently on a podcast that is airing in the past for you listening to it now with astrologer Britt Johnson, she talked about how the relationships you form and have, they're like mirrors, right, to our shadows. And so is a hard pill to swallow and I had to swallow it as well. I'm not calling myself a narcissist. However, there were some narcissistic traits in myself that I had to transmute and heal through to come out on the other side and not be pointing the finger and calling my ex evil and horrible and just seeing that he's a human too 
if he chooses to heal and transmute, that's his issue, not mine. All I can do is heal mine. But it's a very similar kind of mirror, right? That there is no good and evil. The podcast kind of conveys like empath and narcissist should be black and white, good and evil, but it's not, you know, it's, it's very enmeshed. It is. It's like that yin and yang symbol. Like there mm -hmm. is both inside of us. So yeah, of yeah. course, you know, there, there's probably some narcissistic traits in me as well. Yeah. And there's probably some empath traits in him. And again, that's yeah. why we came together. And also yeah. I believe that, it, you know, all those situations and experiences, however painful they are, it helps us to learn, to grow, to heal. I even realized mm -hmm. that I was at some point just recreating my mother's, you know, relationship or my grandmother's relationship with my grandfather. And so that was, again, like that mirror that you're talking about. It's like, yeah. well, okay, I needed to be on the other side to be able to understand my mother or to understand my grandmother because at some point I was judging them. I was thinking, mm -hmm. oh my God, and other women too. I was, I was thinking all the time, I don't understand why they can't just leave. Why is it that if you're in an abusive relationship, why can't you just take your things and walk the door? It's so easy. But mm -hmm. then you have to be in a situation to realize, okay, it's not that easy. <laughs> it's not that <laughs> easy. Or happening. Yes, yes. Yeah, you so, have to accept the reality. You have to face your fears, right? You know, there's so many fears that, can come into play of the unknown. And that's, that's part of, you know, I, I study human design. That's part of the spleen. There's all these different fears and whatever fear is circled and highlighted, that's the one that you need to face and push through. And for me, it was the fear of the unknown. So I stayed for 10 years because I thought no one would love me. The unknown was scarier than what I, you know, the devil I was living with and could kind of handle and knew the pattern. Yeah. 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 Yes, it, exactly. It's, you know, everything I feel in the universe is, it's so beautifully created that it balances or it looks, it seeks for balance and mm. for healing. And so we are being pulled constantly into healing. But in order to do that, sometimes we have to get into the uncomfortable, darker, if you want to call it, places. <laughs> but it's in order to heal. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, it, 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 it pulls us in those ways. And I feel that the reason why I ended up in that relationship is because there was a lot of healing that had to happen in myself, in my own traumas, but also with my mom, with my grandmother and all the women mm. for me mm. and, and their husbands. And yeah. it was just that healing pull that, that brought us together. Same on his side of the family, probably. Another thing that I want to point out is that, like you said, there is no like good, bad, evil. It's more like mm -hmm. there were good things too. And I want to acknowledge that there were good things. Yeah. There were good moments. I, I heard recently somewhere, I can't remember where, if it was just terrible, all bad, 100%, it would probably be easier to leave. But the reason that we stay for so long, it has to do with what we're healing and the trauma and all of that that I've talked about but also yeah. because they're good things. In reality, yeah. it's not always bad. And so those little good things also make you stay. So it wasn't always bad, but it wasn't healthy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, that's the confusing part that I feel like most of us experience. Like, are we taking crazy pills? Because 
one minute they're rubbing our shoulders or our feet and the next minute they're putting us down and making us contort for hours on end (laughs) you know and it's just like what the (laughs) fuck is going on Allison rabbit hole what's going on I mean, I would think like taking mushrooms would make so much more sense than some of the experiences I had with my ex. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. I haven't seen it that way, but I think so too. Sometimes I think this is this is like a movie. That's what I would think. This is like a movie because it's exactly what you're saying. Sometimes, you know, it was a great day. We had a great time. Everything was going well, and all of a sudden, like you said in the beginning, walking on eggshells, right? Something, Mm -hmm. a little thing, would crack. It wasn't a big deal. And then the whole thing shifted and then everything turned dark and you're like, okay, what happened here? Yeah. <laughs> Is this another movie? Are we switching scripts now? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now, t- talking about that with the, the egg chill cracking, before we move on to learning the different coping mechanisms that we can use, did you want to touch a little bit on interrelationship consensual sexual abuse? Yeah, it's, it's a, I think, a very important topic to touch on because mm-hmm. I believe it's more common than we think. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading back then, I believe, when I was in that relationship, that anything that makes you uncomfortable in any way, but especially sexually, it's, you know, it's not okay, even if it is with your husband. Mm-hmm. or with your boyfriend or with a friend, you know, the minute it becomes uncomfortable for you, then it, it is not anymore a healthy, you know, a healthy moment or a healthy relationship. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it's crazy, but sometimes it's even harder to say no when you are in a relationship. Because, again, the time, the history the lines are a little bit blurred at that point. It's like, mm-hmm. well, we've done this for so long or we've been together for so long. Like, how can I say no to this now? Or he is my husband or he is mm. my partner. This is my wife. How can I say no to this person now after all this time? Or or what's going to happen to our relationship? I don't want to get a divorce, so I'll just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so there is that. That, you know, staying part and also that it's not feeling great. And that's, that's I think, sometimes difficult for people to understand. Well, you could have just left. You could have just said something. Again, mm-hmm. it's not that easy. Same example mm-hmm. of the, you know, woman or the man who's being abused in a relationship and saying, oh, come on, you just take your things and walk away. Again, mm-hmm. it's not that easy. You have to be in the situation to understand and so sometimes we stay in a moment, in a situation, or do perform something that doesn't feel good to us, uh, and yet we do it for all those reasons. We're not empowered. We're not in a healthy relationship where we can speak up or we can say something, and it, it's well-received, and therefore we just push it down, do it, and then it just feels, it just feels wrong in our body. Yeah. And the more you do that, I know from my personal mm-hmm. experience, the more you do that, which seemed to be like eight years, everything was good. The first two years was we were each other's first and everything, but the, the remaining eight years, 
every single time you do it, it compounds into that PTSD. And so when I experienced mine, I felt like my body was being stretched like a gumby and like a rubber band and then back and forth. So like I was violating my own soul and my own being every time I gave in to people please or to do this or to to do that. And it's it's just not okay. And being with someone who's extremely healthy now and knowing like if I don't feel like I'm in the mood, I don't get guilted or shamed. I'm not a horrible person. It's like, okay, let's try another day. And he won't even ask the next day. You know, like he just waits for me, which is healthy, which right. is the right way, which I didn't experience my first round. So it's a breath of fresh air. And that's, that's I just want to share that because that's what you should be experiencing. A real man or woman will not push your boundaries and guilt you into doing anything. They will back off immediately and say, okay, let's try a different position or what would you like? Or, okay, let's try another day. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I thank you for that example, because like you said, I think that that's, that's the way, that's the healthy way. And, and it was, it's the way that I wish for everyone on the planet. And unfortunately it's not sometimes. And again, because we are sometimes in a relationship, but we know the person it doesn't always mean that it's being, that it's healthy or that there's no room for growth or for improvement in that way. So, and I have been in those situations too. And I just want to point out something that you said there that I think is very important. And it's the, the violation and the, the betrayal that happens to ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think that that sometimes hurts the most in, in my case for me. Because yeah. the other person didn't know that it was hurting me or it, it was, that it was being uncomfortable or that I didn't want to do that or that I didn't want to be there. The other person didn't know. Mm-hmm. I knew and I didn't do anything. And so mm-hmm. I think that that damages sometimes that relationship with ourselves that I talk about in the book that is so important to start with, with the relationship mm-hmm. with yourself. because. I think the first person that violates you and betrays you in those situations, it's yourself. Hmm. And that is, it's hurtful. And we also got to work on that and repair that relationship. Because like I said, sometimes the other person didn't know. The other person thought that you were doing fine. But the reason, yeah. the, the, you not speaking up, it's, it's like a double, you know, betrayal or double violation that happens. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. That's really what we want to drive home is that your self-love and your resolve and your relationship with yourself is number one. And to really gain that confidence and screw them if they don't want to respect your boundaries, right? Just we need to stand up for ourselves. And that's part of my shadow that I was thinking about the other day is that little girl who was bullied, who didn't stand up for herself. And then I didn't stand up for myself in that romantic relationship for all the times that I was, you know, abused and yelled at and belittled. I just took it because I believed it. But what you need to do for your inner child, what is the same thing you need to do for your shadow is to develop that relationship and be like, I got you now. I'll stand up for you. I'm here. I'm the adult here. To, to help you and to, to whatever it is, to help you 
feel emboldened to feel healthy again and to feel rejuvenated. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. It's I work a lot with inner child therapy, so that it resonates a lot with me. And, yes. and like you say, it's it's about accepting and loving yourself into and taking yourself into healing however that looks like but you got to start by forgiving yourself <laughs> having yeah. a good relationship with yourself <laughs> yeah and it's okay don't beat yourself up about you staying so long I always felt like I wasted so many years but that was just my journey and the process and that's how long my my wine needed to be you know what is the right word aged <laughs> we yeah all have different years of that so with these triggers what are, I wanted to ask you, like, what are some different healthy coping mechanisms that we can do when we start to feel like we're experiencing a panic attack or a CPTSD episode? For me, again, I'm going to speak for myself because, again, every person is different. But inner child therapy was so important for me, and it still is. Mm -hmm. Having that relationship with that that little baby or that that child in yourself, however you want to see it. Some people use their inner dog. <laughs> I, I talk about yeah, this yeah. because some people don't like kids. And so I talk about, okay, let's see your inner dog or your inner cat. Whatever it is that just brings up that love for yourself, it's okay. And uh, that was very important for me, especially in those moments when the anxiety is coming up and you're like, okay, I'm going to get a panic attack, or you're even in the panic attack, just going back and, and imagining that that little child or that little dog or cat is the one feeling the, the scare or feeling that it's going to die or that something bad mm -hmm. is going to happen to it. So the mm -hmm. moment you do that, it separates you and that part of yourself, and it brings back the adult and that adult part can go in and take care of that little little child inside of you. Mm. So that's a very important uh, tool that I use all the time. And then it has to do, the rest has to do with listening to yourself and whatever you need in the moment. So mm. sometimes I felt like I needed to go outside. When I was starting to get a panic attack, I felt like I needed outside just whatever mm. it was outside. So yeah. if you listen to yourself and you then step outside, or sometimes it was staying in, sometimes I just wanted to be in a very small space, like in my bathroom. <laughs> and so just <laughs> listen to yourself, whatever you need in that moment. Most of the time, it also helps to connect with someone because we're wired for that. We are, our nervous system is wired to connect and to, and to balance with mm. others with in connection to nature or something bigger than us or other people so that's mm -hmm. also good like in those moments if you feel like you want to call someone call someone or if you feel like you need to be hugged ask for a hug if you need whatever it is or someone just telling you you're going to be okay that sometimes just diffused the whole panic attack for me just having someone telling me you're okay it's gonna be okay nothing's gonna happen to you just that so you can if you can find someone that you trust and can stay balanced throughout the whole process and tells you you're okay I'm right here I'm not gonna leave you you're gonna be okay that also helps 
And then、mm. again, little things like music can help also to relax. Or yeah, it just depends on the person. Depends on the panic attack as well. Sometimes I just、mm-hmm. couldn't hear music. It was too triggering too. So I、mm. had to be in silence. It's more. It's about listening to yourself and what you need. Hmm. One hundred percent. Listen to yourself. Which, if you're not used to listening to yourself, this is why maybe just a four-minute daily meditation practice might help, so that you can start to get in the habit of listening to yourself and what what you need. What if I had a question when it came up about connecting someone? What if somebody doesn't have family? Let's say they also have abusive family. What would be the best resource that they could connect with someone if they don't have anyone? The good thing about the way we've evolved, and this is more like the spiritual part of of everything of us, is、mm-hmm. that we don't necessarily have to connect with a person. It can be、mm-hmm. also with animals. It can be with nature, and、mm-hmm. you can also get that same connection feeling and what that brings in our brain, which is just oxytocin. It just brings that love. Hormone, as it's called, sometimes it, you can do that with just the ocean, with meditation, as you said, with connecting、mm-hmm. to something higher than yourself. Call it God, call it Goddess, the universe, however you want to connect with that. And if you don't have a person that you can trust, you can always just turn into your spiritual practice, or you can hug your dog, <laughs> or your cat, or your horse, whatever you have,、yeah. or you, if you have nature outside. Go and hug a tree, <laughs> or just or put your dip your feet in some water, and water, that can、yes. also help you. Yeah. Yes. Many a time have I actually gone and walked all the way down to the water near my house, and there's a tree, and I've just leaned against her and just asked her. I'm like, I have no idea. I'm just feeling it right now. She's never let me down. She's always brought me some wisdom. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Whatever it is, it it can it can brings us back to that connection、mm-hmm. feeling that you're not alone. Yeah, that works. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I have one other question before we conclude about maybe a coping mechanism people may or may not want to agree is unhealthy, but a lot of us, you know, the culture and society, you know. Talk about oh, when we're stressed out or we're sad, we go to a bar and we grab a couple drinks. Is that recommended when you're experiencing PTSD? <laughs> It's not. <laughs> Again, nothing against alcohol. I always say everything in this life is there's no good, bad, correct, and correct. Only、mm-hmm. extremes. That's the part when it can be a little unhealthy. the The thing with alcohol is that it it really is it really helps with anxiety. So. What it does, it's it goes in your body, and all of the chemicals and things really do relax and help you. And so、mm-hmm. again, that's why I I'd say that alcohol is the oldest and you know most used medication, if you want to call it that way, for anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. However, it also has consequences. It also has some side effects. And that's the issue. So,、mm-hmm. if we were to take just a little bit, it's okay. But the problem is that we don't take a little bit. And <laughs> I am—I put myself in that club because I did use it as medication, quote unquote, <laughs> in a moment in my life. And I talk about it in the book 
that, Mm -hmm. you know, I was getting anxiety from another relationship and I would drink myself to sleep. Mm -hmm. And, and then it's just not sustainable because then, you know, you have to drink more and also it damages, you know, your, your liver, your body. And so it's not really a healthy way. It works, but it's not healthy or sustainable. And it's not really working on the issue. You're not really going into the root of the the problem. You're not healing that. It's just like taking a pill for your headache, but you're not really dealing with what's what's making your head ache. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe like dehydration or something simple like that. Yeah, correct. It's funny. It's like because the bottle says, make sure you drink a full glass of water. Like, well, because probably most people are dehydrated, so that might be helping it work. And of course, the absorption rate. I relate to you with the alcohol use. And that's why I'm asking you because I was a situational alcoholic. And yeah, you have to keep increasing. And I remember getting migraines because I didn't have my evening bottle and, or, you know, in time. And it doesn't actually help heal anything. It, it is just a Band-Aid on a yeah. gaping wound that needs scars. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I think it's important to address and like all of the beautiful resources you shared, like connecting with your inner child. And I would recommend doing a meditation, which there is an inner child meditation on my YouTube channel. Do you have in your book an inner child exercise? Not on this book, but I have it on my on my first book. Yeah. Okay. So you have one too they can find. And then number two is to listen to yourself, which was key. I would say that would really be number one, one top on the list. Listen to yourself, going outside, connecting with somebody or an animal or a tree, listening to music. I would also highly recommend like a sound bath or a high frequency hertz music and avoid alcohol. I think those are beautiful ways to kind of help with the anxiety attacks and the PTSD triggers. One other last note, just so everyone knows, to have, do you still experience your PTSD or have you healed them completely? I, well, last year was a very tough year. So I would say that it, it came back, but it, because, it was because of those situations that happened in my family. We had some loss and yeah, it, mm-hmm. so it was a tough year. And mm-hmm. I I saw myself getting again some symptoms, but I knew that it was because um, of everything that we were going through as a family. Mm-hmm. But I, it's normal. It's just the way our body heals. So PTSD is not a bad thing. Anxiety is not a bad thing. I always tell people, this is your body just speaking to you. That's it. It's like the, the alarm, the fire alarm that you have in your house, in your apartment. It's there to let you know that something is happening. The alarm is not bad. It's it's a good device. <laughs> same same with this. It's just a device. It's just to help you to see that, oh, hey, we need some help. Something is not balanced here. And so uh, last year I was experiencing again some PTSD and that just let me know, okay, I just need to take care of myself a little mm-hmm. more. And, 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 and again, go back to those practices like meditation, like yoga and those things that I normally do and that I've forgotten about mm-hmm. because I was feeling better. <laughs> but so everyone can experience anxiety and PTSD. It's just it's just like I said, our body telling us, hey, we need some help. That's all. Mm-hmm. And then we can go back to balance again. 
Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Well, thank you for that and that information. I've practiced in the past EFT tapping, which I know we've had mm. a practitioner here on the podcast, season five, episode three, with Lauren Fonville, the title Emotional Freedom Techniques for Healing from Trauma of Narcissistic Abuse. Just wanted to note that also really helps and it, it allowed that PTSD from like feeling like it controlled or just popped up like 60% of the time all the way down to maybe like 1% of the time. So it's something that I also would highly recommend. This has just been a beautiful conversation. Thank you so much for being here, Sylvia. Share with us what you have for us and what you're working on. Yeah, so right now my newest book, Is This What I Really Want? <laughs> mm. It's Amazon on Kindle Unlimited for a limited period of time so if you want to get it right now and also has a discounted price right now it will change in the future and so yeah uh, again everything that you can grab either what my book or this channel or someone else to help you with whatever situation you're going through take the help that's the most important thing something that really helped me to go through those years was to ask and receive the help so whatever helps you, take it. And whatever doesn't help you, you just leave it there and continue with your journey. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And the link to her page will be in the show notes. So there you have it. Feelings of anxiety and CPTSD are very real. They're like alarm systems in our bodies and triggers, as I would say, are not bad things. They are good things. So don't, don't let anyone guilt you into the fact that you have a trigger. That's not your fault. That's another narcissistic ploy. So we covered what is CPSD. We talked about what the triggers look like. We talked about sexual abuse in a relationship. And we talked about does PTSD go away for good? And all the beautiful tools to help us relieve our CPTSD. Shout out to our listener, Jody Lynn. Thank you so much for sharing with me and encouraging me on, on an Instagram comment. You are amazing. All that you are offering is building me to shine on and sparkle. And I'm really appreciative for that feedback and encouragement. We're all in this together. If you want personal help in gaining clarity, your authentic power back and healing to be rid of the narcissist for good, join our empath community and receive sparkle reminder inspiration every Saturday and strategies to heal from narcissist abuse. Plus, get your free human design chart summary and free 20-minute support call with me. As soon as you're in, I'll gift you your human design reading with your type, strategy, and inner authority. So join now and get your reading within 24 hours. How do you know you're on the right path? The healing journey is unique to each person and it takes one baby step at a time. The truth about narcissists, journal ritual, EFT tapping, mirror work, connect with your healed ancestor, Ho'oponopono prayer, dealing with difficult people meditation, gratitude journal, and human design 101. These are just some of the few tools that I have included in the Empath and Narcissist book 
a healing guide, with spiritual exercises, I am over here on the other side of the deep, dark cavern abyss that you're facing right now, of the unknown. I'm here waving, cheering you on to take your next right step to the other side. And one of those steps is to educate yourself and gain all the healing tools that have helped me cross my own bridge to the other side and have a life full of abundance and love and peace away from the narcissist. You can find my book on Amazon and listen on Audible today. I'm so grateful for you listening, finding the show and sharing it with your friends. It would give a great boost in the heart-centered algorithm to rate and review this podcast if you are enjoying it. Take a screenshot, share it on your socials, share it in a text message to a friend that you know right now needs to be pulled out of the quicksand. And remember, always keep your unique light shining. Losing time, I'm fading fast I just wanna make it last Try to let go of the past I close my eyes, embrace the blast Sleepless nights and headaches stack Restlessness to hell and back What's my purpose, what do I grab? A slippery surface, a heart attack And sometimes you just gotta believe There's something that'll give you relief There's something that'll have what you need what you need we're broken it's tragic we're not all elastic but maybe there's magic believe